This episode of Homeschooling in Real Life is brought to you by Caroline's Coffee. You can find them online at carolinescoffee.com. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. We work hard at interviewing great guests and finding great topics, and it's all for free. Now, here's what you can do for us. Go to iTunes and subscribe to Homeschooling in Real Life. We've made it easy. There's a link right in the show notes. Better yet, subscribe, and when you're there, write out a review for us. Even better, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your homeschooling friends that Fletch and Kendra are here to encourage homeschoolers to live open and honest lives. This is Homeschooling in Real Life. Welcome to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Join your hosts as they dive into difficult topics that you might not find covered at your local homeschooling convention. Veteran homeschooling parents Andy and Kendra Fletcher use humor, honesty, and grace to discuss just what it looks like to homeschool in real life. Hey, this is Fletch. And this is Kendra. We want to welcome you to Homeschooling in Real Life, the podcast. This is episode 90, Spiritual Abuse Part 2. And we are... Not home. Not home. We are (laughs) recording from a uh, hotel room in Phoenix, Arizona. We are visiting our son and his very sweet girlfriend here in Phoenix. It's been fun, Fletch. We brought one daughter with us. So uh, one of the remaining five that are at home. And, uh, you know, we've talked about Nate before on the podcast. We talked about sending our kids off to college. We've talked about uh, Grand Canyon University. So we're just taking a long uh, President's Day weekend to visit him here. And the weather is gorgeous. So, And you know what we haven't ever talked about? No. Dutch Bros. Oh, Dutch Bros Coffee. Man, I'm sure we have listeners that listen or that uh, take Dutch Bros Coffee, but... We didn't get any coffee today. Not one of us got coffee. No, I got iced tea. No, the rest of the car got Rebels. Yeah. Which are like... Energy you know, drinks. Energy That's drinks just the bottom line. inside yes, of yes. energy drinks. So we've had a fun day kind of cruising around Phoenix. Yeah, but enough about energy drinks. You know, Phoenix, Arizona, hats off to you as a town. This is a gorgeous place to live. The weather's beautiful. The art scene is very hip and cool. And we just got back from... A killer burger night. You know what I had? What did you have? Peanut butter, jelly, and bacon burger. Yeah, I know. You sat next to me and I could smell peanut butter. It was just weird. A little overwhelming in the burger. No, it's uh, good. Yeah, so hats off to, what are they called? Phoenicians? Are they Phoenicians? Um, yeah. Um, You don't know, do Phoenixians. (laughs) I think they're Phoenicians. Okay, but we haven't talked about the other thing we've been doing all weekend, which is sending each other bitmojis. Oh, the bitmoji. That's... Right, this goes out to uh, the front porch with the Fitzies. Yeah. The, <laughs> is that what it's called? I think it's, it's Okay, so called. this is the podcast that you've been listening to. Yeah, with uh, Jessica Thompson and Elise Fitzpatrick and their brother. I don't know his name. <laughs> Lisa's son, Jessica's brother. Yeah. Okay, but Jessica was on one of our early podcasts yeah. called Give Them Grace. And uh, their family has a fun little podcast, and they talked about bitmojis, and now we're ridiculously sending each other bitmojis. Yeah, if you guys don't know what bitmojis are, that's what you need to do. You need to come up with your own bitmoji and then send it to us. Yeah. So we well, can how see are you going to do that? Um, you can email it. 
Okay. You can email your Bitmoji. All right, yes, we want to see can... hurlers in Bitmoji form. Yeah. We'll and post we'll, ours. We'll post ours so you All can right. see what we look like. Sounds good. Hey, uh, team, oh, team Fluff, that's something else we want to talk about. Okay. I think it was Lori, our uh, hurler, who uh, did a hashtag Team Fluff. Awesome. So this fluff time is just for you. If you're a member of, yeah, if you're a member of the team fluff, you can hashtag team fluff anytime you want. So uh, why don't we take a quick break and then let's get on to this great second part episode. Hey, this is Fletch, and I want you to listen to one of my favorite sounds. Mm, That is the sound of hot water being pushed through freshly ground coffee, which eventually leads to the pouring of coffee and then the drinking of coffee. One of my favorite things to do. You know, this podcast is sponsored in part by Caroline's Coffee out of Grass Valley, California. They are hand-roasting coffee, hand-packaging it, and sending it directly to your doorstep. And if you look at it, the cost of buying coffee online and having it sent to your door Uh, can sometimes be cheaper than the coffee you buy in the store. Now, I realize if you buy cheap coffee and all you want is canned, stale coffee, well, you'll be able to beat the price any day. But if you want freshly roasted, hand-roasted coffee that's a coffee bean you choose, uh, you know, buying coffee online and sending it to your door, that's the way to do it. And Caroline's Coffee is the place to do it especially when you use our code, which is H-I-R-L for HURL, our hurlers can go to carolinescoffee.com and get 10% off any coffee you want. You know, that's something I want you to do. As a listener of this podcast, uh, I'd love you to go to Caroline's Coffee and buy a pound of coffee, try it yourself, and tell me if you agree that this is really, really good coffee. You know, it's a way to sponsor a free podcast. Uh, Do something you love, get a pound of coffee, help us, and help Caroline's Coffee. Hey, thanks for doing that, and tell them that Fletch and Kendra sent you. Welcome back to this podcast. This is episode 90, Spiritual Abuse Part 2, and we are going to get back online with the Finchers. Uh, But just some follow-up from last week. Uh, We heard from a lot of you. 
We sure did. Probably more than I think we were expecting, yeah? Yeah, and I'm actually shocked at how quickly the feedback came in. Because mm-hmm. this went up at about 8 a.m. It goes up every week at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Mm-hmm. And it just immediately, within the first two hours, people started emailing us, Facebook messaging us. And again, nor- way more than normal. Very, very good episode. It gets super thorough, more into the details of spiritual abuse. Was there something you wanted to preface? Well, I was just going to say, this is the meat of what spiritual abuse is, will we'll, uh, create a working definition. Yeah, we define what it is exactly. Abuse. Exactly, um, and and we'll just talk more about the logistics of finding yourself in that situation and how to heal from spiritual abuse. Yeah, what the red flags are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of what the red flags are because a lot of you last week when you listened to our show said, "Uh oh." Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. Right. And it was kind of like the depression episode mm-hmm. where we did it. People were like, oh, I'm I'm actually depressed. This mm-hmm. is what's going on. Right. Um, you're gonna be. We're gonna be going through so many of the details tonight. So uh, nothing better than for us to get started, and then we'll come back at the end. Hey, hurlers! This is John Wilkerson, host of the Wired Homeschool, another podcast you can find at thewiredhomeschool.com. Since 2010, I've been providing tech tools, and tips for homeschooling the internet generation. If you're looking for the right tablet for your tweens, an online resource for drilling math facts, or need to know if Yik Yak is safe for your teens, stop on by and have a listen. Each week, I cover STEM-related topics, discuss social media trends, or interview great guests that will equip your homeschool in the ever-changing digital landscape. Visit thewiredhomeschool.com and stick me in your ears, and together, we can get your homeschool wired. We want to thank you again for joining us for the second part of our interview with Dale and Jonathan Fincher. And you know what, Kenj, last week's show was so good because they use words we use. Does that make it good? I think that makes it good. I think um, that. You know, they say things like identity. They say things like um, being real and being truthful. So Dale and Jonathan, welcome back to Homeschooling in Real Life. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to be. I'm glad that you liked it. And uh, we also use the word cult, which I, I as yeah. I remember, you really like that. <laughs> you have neither of you have used homeschool whack job yet, though. So uh, eventually that'll work itself in. So, hey, you know, last week we we were really getting into some good discussions. We were talking about uh, um, working through the purity culture. We were talking about things like cults. We were talking about things um, all, all over the board. and It was really good. But we didn't ever define spiritual abuse. So maybe you could go ahead and give us your definition. Sure. You know, spiritual abuse, if I were to, like, somebody to say, where in the Bible do you see, like, a clear verse about it? I would say it's the third commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And it's the idea of using God and using his name to manipulate and control other people. So you can have different kinds of you could have you could have emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. As soon as you insert God into any of those, it becomes a form of spiritual abuse. And you see it often in, in families, you see it in communities and in churches where there is usually some sort of authoritarian um, perspective that says we're the authority and you need to be under authority, you need to be accountable. And then um, what ends up happening is that the Bible Typically, the Bible is getting twisted, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, to separate us from the love of God and to separate us from our own humanity in who God is um, helping us grow into. It's important as we think through spiritual abuse in our own lives is um, 
just a side note, Dale and I both believe in accountability and we both believe in authority. We just don't believe in abusive forms of it. As a therapist friend of mine once said, you know, John Lane, you don't have a problem with authority. You have a problem with manipulation. Mm. That's a good and, thing to actually have mm-hmm, a problem with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And, and places that, thank you. And usually a red flag for me is when I'm in a place that talks a lot about authority and accountability, it's a red flag because it's, because places that emphasize it are usually places that are distorting it. Mm-hmm. And uh, because every place is going to have levels of accountability and authority, just going to happen. Even if you're just sitting in a classroom with a teacher, it's, it's there. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you're emphasizing it, I am the teacher every single day that you yeah. show up in class, it's like this person is not, um, there's not a symbiotic relationship going on. Shakespeare has a great line on that, and it's from the play um, Much Ado About Nothing when Beatrice is saying she doesn't want to do something so many times. And the male lead opposite her says, Methinks she doth protest too much. And it's like you're, you're <laughs> emphasizing your authority so much there's insecurity that's fueling it. Um, but one thing I, I wanted to, to bring up about spiritual abuse is very important that people realize is that you don't have to intend evil to commit spiritually abusive acts. You can have the best of intentions yes. and still be spiritually abusive. And that is scary because instantly we think, what if I'm spiritually abusive? How would I know? What are the marks of that? And um, I think that is partially why humility and love cover a multitude of sins. Is you want yeah. to be very open-eared to how we have manipulated people mm. to do what we think is right in the name of God and yet is wrong. That's right. And sometimes we use the word spiritual dysfunction as a synonym because the word abuse is so charged for many people they can't even hear it. And if people can't hear you, then they're not going to be able to heal and consider what you're saying. So for some people, just talking about spiritual dysfunction or spiritual brokenness sometimes helps soften um, the language so they can consider perhaps maybe they need to heal in some places so they'll stop hurting other people. You know, I yes. know we were we often – people like to use the term legalistic, and I always uh-huh. define that. And I say, well, do you know what legalism means? You know, really technically legalism means mm-hmm. that you know you're only going to be saved by the law. And I go – I think really what's going on here is spiritual rigidity. And it's it's just a little more of a – like we can swallow that a little bit easier and go, yeah, that's what's going on here. I'm like, okay, well, that's what we mean. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's still bad. <laughs> it's still really bad. So let's talk about it. Um, You're right. The language we use is so key. Right. I, I define legalism as trying to use the law to give yourself life. And it can't happen. Only God can give you life, and the law is just a guide. But when you look to the law to give you life to say, aha, I fulfilled this. Therefore, I'm a good Christian. Wrong answer. Right. And I think it all so much boils down to an issue of control. Because I know as as a mother, as a homeschooling mom in particular, I think because we have even more control over what our kids are doing, there is a vast difference between having authority in their lives. Uh, and I just actually wrote about this on the blog. You know, there's that authority that says, hey, get down from the hotel balcony because I don't want you to fall to your death. You know, or, hey, you need to put your dishes in the sink and wash them. You're part of this family. And, you know, that there's authority there. But I never, ever, ever have control over what rules the hearts and minds of my children. And as soon as I think I do, I've stepped into abusive, spiritual abusiveness. That's right. What a great distinction. I, I have a friend who's studying uh, psychology right now and, and going through a class on the psychology of parenting. And one of the distinctions is between authoritative 
which is healthy parenting and authoritarian. Mm. And it fits exactly what you just described. The authoritative says, these are the boundaries, but you get to operate and, and grow into who you are within them. But the authoritarian is the one that really wants to control and manipulate what you're thinking and doing. It's like a thought police kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we, that's you actually know, one of our freedom builders, she's a pastor's wife and also one of the mentors in our freedom builders community. Right. I mentioned that because I don't want people to think that our freedom builders are all people who hate church. We have quite right. a few people who attend church regularly in our lights in their community. But um, I'm sorry, I cut you off there, Kendra. Oh, no, no. I just, you know, I just think that so often we as parents think that we can control environments. We can control what it, everything that we're pouring into them. But the reality is, like we talked about last week, none of us is pure to begin with. And so if we think we are controlling the environment to, to make these kids never be, you know, t- touched or tainted by the world or other children that are bad or, you know, whatever all the things are, public school kids or <laughs> what all those things that homeschoolers <laughs> love to keep our kids from, then we've, we're starting off in, in the wrong position in the first place. You know, our, yes. our, kid, our sin is in us and our children. And, and then if we think we have control or we, we are aiming for control of all of those things, we have, we have crossed the line into abuse. So, yes. if, yes. so yes. all three yes. of you are telling me that homeschooling will not save our kids? That's correct. Okay. Wow. I guess I'll be the odd man out here. Um, no, that's that is that was a uh, two episodes we did at the very beginning of this podcast was homeschooling will save your kids a play on words and really talked about how it won't. So we want to unhinge this trap that a lot of homeschoolers get themselves into. And again, that's why we've had you back. And, and the trap is one of spiritual abuse where they get themselves deep into a movement. And in homeschooling worlds, we've seen that to be the family integrated church model. We've seen that to be a following a leader of mm-hmm. sorts of a movement. And, uh, and I, I call them out by name. So that's the, we talked last week about the Gothards. Um, we've talked about, you know, following this movement of the Duggars or even, um, you know, our, our friend, uh, Doug Phillips, who we talked about as well, you know, <laughs> having missed the gospel, but you have people that are following these ministries. Cause that's the other, I think that's the other thing that validates you is when you call it a ministry and, you know, they follow this ministry within homeschooling and they get stuck in an abusive relationship. So, Let's talk a little bit about the red flags or even the orange flags or the yellow flags. You know, what are those flags that people should be looking for? Now, you talked about um, having to continually use, you know, define themselves as I'm the authority, I'm in charge, I'm the leader. Uh, What are the other red flags you've seen? Right. So red flags when you're on the inside of it or the the behavior of of certain kinds of, of spiritual abusive groups. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a big one is a, is an idea of uh, separatism or separation. That it is um, you, know, you hear often hear a word like an us versus them mentality, which tends to not be so healthy when you live in our society. But it's the idea of like I need to separate from you because, and I need to isolate my family or isolate our co-op or our church, and so we start becoming suspicious of what who outsiders are. Mm-hmm. We don't read books that are not approved by the group. We don't listen to sermons or pastors or whoever that are not approved by the group. And um, and if we are doing that, we kind of do it secretly. We don't let people know that, you know, we picked up Love Wins by Rob Bell because we know that a lot of people would think that now I'm a universalist or something. So I'm not even so, – so even the secrets that we're holding – we hold them truly as secrets, and we might share them with a few people, but we know the group overall does not approve. 
that should be a red flag because the, the gospel, if it's anything, it's a, has a huge value and freedom of conscience. Okay. So back in, the, in the late 90s, uh, there was a movement, again, within Christian homeschoolers, uh, simple, separate, simple, separate, and deliberate living. That was the, that was the slogan. We're going to live simple, separate, and deliberate. And now, there were groups that were moving to compounds. So when I hear the term compound, I, you know, I, I cannot not think of the 70s back when there was a compound of people drinking you know, flavored beverages together. There's a compound. But these people were moving. It had some really cool name out of... Uh, Rivendell. Yeah, it was Rivendell. It was right out of uh, Lord of the Rings. You were going to live in this perfect land of the elves, you know, where everything was perfect. Oh, that's sad to me. I'm but, reading Fellowship of the Ring right now, and that is completely missing the point of Rivendell. Don't so, they know what these elves were doing? They were leaving to go out. And, it's <laughs> Hobbiton. They're the ones who are separated. So they, yeah. you know, this in the late 90s, though, and... and you know what was going on culturally right before the turn of the century. There was fear of clocks and dates and calendars and computers. So let's separate ourselves and let's live out here. So, you know, this happens. I, my point is this happens in the homeschool movement. We might have homeschoolers that are listening tonight going, what are Fletcher and Kendra talking about? Why are why is there so much talk about spiritual abuse? Because, people, we've seen it. <laughs> over and over. Over and, and over. And it's going to crop up again. I mean, that's the thing. Right now, I feel like, uh, at least from my perspective and, and going around the country and, and being in lots of different homeschool you know, conventions and whatnot, I'm not seeing anything new coming up yet. But it will happen. Something will come around the corner here and some or someone will come around the corner here and take all the lemmings with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, any yeah, other it, red flags? Yeah, that, that's a red flag. You know, other red flags are when when there are issues going on within the organization, you're kind of catching wind of it, but you see all the lemmings kind of rallying around the leader or the organization to say, well, nobody's perfect, which means stop looking over here at the man behind the curtain. Or be grateful for what you have and be content, which basically means don't try to change anything here. Or and you stop need to forgive, questions. stop mm-hmm. being bitter and forgive which means you're not permitted to call sin, sin. You're not permitted to protect yourself or your family. You're not, you're not permitted to continue to be angry because the sin is continuing to be committed. Uh, This happens a lot with women, I would say, especially if they're involved in a spiritually abusive marriage. You're, you're kind of required to be forgiving of your husband. And forgiveness does not mean as it means in scripture, which still has a fabulous unit on what, what forgiveness actually means in scripture. But forgiveness actually means to be in denial that you are being harmed. And that's how all kinds of abuse crops up. <laughs> I know another interesting symptom that I find is, um, and this deals with our personal shame, is that if we feel like that we need the approval of the group in order to be okay with ourselves. Yeah. Great. Great that's example. a good one. Mm-hmm. We, see it we need the approval of other people to be okay with ourselves. And the interesting thing about that is that a lot of times these kinds of groups attract a certain kind of person who is vulnerable to that kind of codependent culture. We've talked a lot about shame and guilt, and I want to make a distinction between the two so people yeah. who are listening can, can kind of inhabit what you just said. Guilt is feeling bad about something you've done. Shame is feeling bad because of who you are. It's much more core. When you feel guilt, you often guilt comes with a very clear idea of a path of how to make it right. 
oh, I just broke that vase. Oh my gosh, I feel so guilty. I'm going to go tell my mom and I'm going to ask her if I can um, repay her or buy her a new one. Shame, I just broke that vase. I am a mess up. Everything I touch gets messed up. I should just stay in my room because I keep messing things up. I'm such a loser. I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. I can't be loved. Shame creates self-loathing. And so back to Dale's point, if in this community you want to step out and do something that the group does not approve and you feel less loved, less valued, less cared about because you want to do something different, that is a shaming mechanism to get you back in line. What happens with shame is that it ends up eroding our own sense of self. For example, you could say, you know what? I sense that something isn't right here. And people will be like, well, you can't trust those senses. You can't trust your emotions. You know, you can't trust your reason. You know, God's ways are not your ways. And these are all things that are designed to to throw um, self-doubt into your life, to minimize who you are so you'll feel badly about yourself, and that you will... The way spiritual abuse works at a manipulation is it seeks to erode you away so that you cannot trust the faculties that God has given you in order to detect abuse. Many people walk away from spiritual abuse saying, I I don't even know who to trust. I don't know how to trust myself. My intuition has been squashed. I haven't felt emotions about God's love in years because I was told emotions are are to be disregarded. And uh, eventually you become a hollow shell of a person who you may have come into it needing their approval, which is why you got snagged in and ensnared in the first place. But it reinforces itself so much that literally to get out feels like you are damning yourself right. to um, a life of despair on one hand or even rejection from God on the other. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, so that leads me now. I mean, you're, you're starting to go into it, so let's head there. Um, you recognize you're in this situation, or maybe you don't. Maybe you don't recognize it, and someone else, like Fletch and Kendra, in a podcast, say it. And <laughs> Dale and Jonathan on this podcast say it, and you go, oh, my goodness, I'm in that situation. That's where I am right now. Um, how, how do we get out? Or we know when, but how do we get out? What's the next step? And, right. and you know, I'm going to throw another question there. I know we, we're yeah. going to talk about it. So I'm going to ask how, but um, what about the person that says, but I'm going to stay and change this place? <laughs> yes, and let's get to that one next. That's a good one too. Okay. You know, I, I want John to be able to speak a little bit to the, to, the, to the how also, but I want to just throw this out here. If you have ever worked at all with people who have been victims of domestic violence, you realize that when you say to the spouse, usually the wife, 99% of the time, you have to get out of that relationship because your husband is beating you. Most of the time, the first response is to justify why her husband is a good man, huh. that she would suffer and uh, she would suffer a worse fate by leaving. And the excuses are, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't have any money. I don't have a job. I'm completely disempowered. It's that same kind of mental game that happens with people in churches that are spiritually abusive. And the deeper and more dysfunctional the church, the more difficult it is to get out. That's why you can't simply say to somebody, you know, you just got to get out. Because you're actually, they don't even know how to think about God apart from this thing they've come to depend on so much. So to get out literally is like anathema. Yeah. So Ken, that that happened. You remember leaving... When we left our church, somebody asked – they literally said that question. Well, where are you going to go? 
You got it. Like, that's that's, that's there's, there's there's the strategy. Yeah. That is the strategy. Smack that person. What kind of oh, word? But that's why it's actually incredibly uncharitable. It is actually cruel to tell someone, well, you're an adult, just get up and get out of there. Because what we're doing is we're compounding their isolation by suggesting that. And I would say... Now they're dummies as well as disempowered. Yes. And <laughs> lack courage and conviction and strength. And they already feel childlike because of the situation of spiritual abuse. I'd say the most important thing you need to do is if you recognize, whoa, I am in a manipulative environment. I am getting close to drinking the Kool-Aid here. Even though it's all washed in scripture, this is not good. And my, as we always often say, our, my spidey sense is intact. It's coming awake. I recognize I need to get out. The first thing you must do is find someone outside of that church, one person, whether it be an old friend you met when you were in school, whether it be a family friend that you've always thought was rebellious, find that one person and tell them, this, this doesn't feel right to me. Confide in them about your intuition. Something isn't right. And if they say to you, if they shut you down, if they shame you, find someone else. And if you don't have anyone, you're completely isolated, come to Solation, go to the store, click on e-mentoring. I will talk with you about it because being alone in this, is it's impossible to get out if you do this alone. God will be with you, but he's given you the resources of the church. And this is what I mean by the church. All the people who are following Jesus, the, the arms, the legs, the feet, the eyes, the hands that want to help you find rescue. And it's going to take time, and and yet it's possible to get out. It is possible. It is um, one of the most beautiful things in our Freedom Builders community is to watch people untangle the knots that were created by spiritual abuse and comb out these tangles and discover that God is for them more than they ever expected. Um, all of a sudden they become aware that they have desires and ideas and beliefs that God gave them that make them more powerful than they ever thought was possible. And that that is, to me, one of the most scary things about spiritual abuse is it distances us from our own beliefs. We don't even know what we believe anymore because someone has to stamp it with approval for us. We don't know what we're afraid of or what makes us happy anymore. Like Dale says, we become a shell. So part of recovery means Coming back in touch with the humanity God gave you, learning to think your own thoughts, feel your own feelings, make your own choices again. You know, one of the things I, I think about that um, if people are considering that they may be in a spiritually dysfunctional place, too dysfunctional to, 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 to grow, is to give themselves permission to take a break. And it's a very practical thing to do. And a break could be as long as you need it to be. And the reason for the break is to kind of step away from the const, constant input influence over and over and over again. Some of these, some places require you to be in church, you know, the three or four services a week, and you're constantly being reinforced in that in that mindset. So taking a step back and saying, you know, I'm going to take a step back for a month. I'm not even going. I'm not going to go there. I might go to another church. I might not do any at all. I'm going to just do some reading. I'm going to. I really want to spend some time with God. I want to ask Him for direction. I want to seek out some people like John Lynn suggested. But I think that one of the traps that people get stuck in is they, they, they believe, which I think is not biblical, they believe that there is a mandate that if you're not in church on Sunday or Saturday night, whatever it is you do, if you're not there regularly, that God is not pleased with you. So, of course, the brainwashing, the brainwashers use that as a tactic to keep you in. You have to break that and say, i got, I got to step away for a time. It may need to be a season in order to kind of regroup my thoughts so I could start to maybe address whether this really is dysfunction or not. Sometimes, 
Sometimes we are in situations where the issue is us. Mm -hmm. We really are broken and we need some help and we want to blame everybody else for it. And we have to take into consideration that that is a possibility. And if you are broken, you will be able to find other friends outside of this community you're in validating your brokenness. I think one of the things we fear is that this is the only place I'm going to be told truth. If I go somewhere else, it's just going to tickle my ears with things that I want to hear. But in reality, if you take the time to go to a professional Christian psychologist and you tell them, look, I think I'm going crazy. This is what I think is wrong. A Christian psychologist is going to have the tools to be able to point out your blind spots. That's what they're trained to do. And that's another mark of a spiritually abusive community. They are so suspicious of psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They assume True. it's the world's ways and they're going to twist your mind. And they only allow biblical counseling, which usually is only done by the pastor and his wife. So once again, you're stuck in this, this, this circular maze. You, you can't get out. Hurlers, we're, we're doing this interview on Skype with the Finchers and it's late on a Colorado evening and they're coming alive on this topic. <laughs> so this is the passion. I mean, when you just heard John Lynch say that if you are stuck and your friends can't help you and your obviously your church can't help you or y- you can contact them, these are the people you're going to want to contact. They just can't, I mean, they're, they're animated, they're alive, they're alert. And this is, are they, you just said you have a, a newborn. And you guys should be wiped out tired, but you're, this like is firing <laughs> you up. Newborn. So I, I love that we're on this topic. Let's take a quick break. And I want to come back and ask that question about people who like to stay in reform, because you're going to be talking a little bit to me in this moment. So let's take a break. We'll be right back. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Fletch, we've been asked to speak this year together. I am so excited. We're going to Indianapolis. We are, and that is the last weekend of April, and we would love to see our hurlers there. If they're from Indianapolis. Right. right? Well, we do want people to come in from Kansas for this one. Absolutely. How, how far is Kansas from Indianapolis? <laughs> you know what? Oh, Here's West the way Coasters. it works. Yeah, this is the way it works, people. As you leave California, I don't know. <laughs> and then eventually you hit the East Coast. I know where Texas is. I know and where that's Florida. <laughs> oh, we're terrible. We're horrible. And we're homeschoolers. So we're going to be in Indianapolis end of April. Yes, but let me tell you a few more dates because just in case we've got listeners out there who might be at any of these events, I really want to meet you all. So I'm going to be in Birmingham at the Refresh Retreat on February 19th through 21st. Then I'll be in the Teach Them Diligently convention in Nashville, Tennessee on March 17th through 19th. Um, then, like we said, Indianapolis, the two of us will be there at the end of April. And then in May, I'll be in Sandusky, Ohio at Teach Them Diligently. Uh, that would be May 12th through 14th. And then I'll be back in California for two more. One is the Tri-Counties Home Education Network in Santa Rosa. Um, and that's the weekend of May 20th. And then the Valley Home Educators Convention right here in Modesto. Finally in hometown, but I, I would recommend the Santa Rosa one. If you want to come to California, yes, Santa Rosa's killer. You're it's north of the Golden Gate Bridge. You're right, up in the right. wine country. It's great. All right, so that's our speaking schedule. We hope you'll come out to see us. Remember, if you see us, do not be afraid to come up and talk to us. We're not untouchable. Matter of fact, we want to take a selfie. We want to take a groupie. Oh my goodness, we're excited to meet you. Yeah, so make sure you do it, and we'll see you somewhere on the road. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Woo! Darling, you got to let me know. 
stay or should I go? All right. Well, welcome back. We are again with the Finchers talking about spiritual abuse. And, you know, there's always going to be that person, and Fletch, you know, you were that person, who says, I'm just going to hang in there. I want to be the one that makes a change in my church. I don't want to be the one that ruffles feathers and, you know, walks out in a puff of smoke. I'm a company player. I'm a company player. And so, you know, what do you guys say to that person who says, I'm going to stick it out and, you know, it's okay if I get hit again and again, but I, I want to be here and be the one that, that causes the good change in this situation. Yeah. Okay. So here may be a couple of answers you don't like. Um, so one is I have used, heard it used probably most commonly as a smoke screen to not have to have courage to make a change. Mm. And it's hard to say that because I know there's a lot of good people who say, I really want to make the change, but often it is in addition to, I don't want to uproot my family. My kids love the youth group. Um, I have my friends here. Plus, my going is going to raise questions. I don't want to deal with the soap opera. On and on and on and on. So there's a lot of that going on. The second answer I have is, what makes you think you can reform it? Because if you have been deep enough in that dysfunction, then it probably has done more damage to you than you realize which means you have to get healed outside of it to even be equipped to be that catalyst for change, to do the networking, to be able to sort out the scripture verses that have been constantly twisted. Yeah, preach it, brother, because that is our story. You are just talking about our story. Well, and I do remember leaving, and soon after leaving, our our current pastor who, you know, we were just going to land in that church. That's what I we said. I was just landing there. <laughs> we were just going to land there. And here we are, you know, six years later. He's, he looked at me and square in the eye and he said, Kendra, what do you need? And you guys, I could not verbalize what I needed because I didn't know. Nobody yes. had asked me that question in yeah. 10 years. Yes. You know, nobody oh, yeah. cared what the woman needed. Um, and yeah. particularly in the environment we were in, nobody cared what the women needed. You know, just be quiet and, and birth babies and take care of your husband's sexual needs and you're good to go. And nobody yeah. asked the as question. As small as possible. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I could not even articulate what my needs were because I didn't know. Well, we found people will come to us. They'll realize they've been sold a bill of goods and had the gospel slapped on it as a label and realize it's wrong. And within a week of meeting us, they're ready to tell their story publicly on Facebook and let the world be changed and healed because they've come out of it. And we want to say, what on earth do you think you're going to be able to fix everything this quickly? You're not even you're not even healed yourself. Right. And I think it's part of a natural uh, progression of holy smokes, I was deceived. I want to rescue as many people as I can. If I just plaster my story on the internet, people are going to come to, to truth and they're going to be freed. And, and it's, um, it's, a, it's a naive, but it's a well-intentioned hope. And I have found that it, it's, um, it's a way to try to make beauty out of ashes, but it's premature. And there are specific people God calls back into spiritually abusive environments to help rescue one or two starfish. You know that story about throwing one starfish at mm -hmm. a time back into the ocean. And the people who are affected by spiritual abuse, Dale often makes the point, these are often the most tender-hearted, the most eager and passionate to please God, the most sensitive to the Holy Spirit, Christians. Mm 
These are the ones who would have been the front runners. These would have been the Marines in his army. And they get suckered into spiritual abuse because they are so concerned with doing what is right before God. And so the Marines get taken out. When, when the Marine gets rescued, usually all the passion they would have used heading out towards the enemy has been used on defacing and destroying their own people their own people so there's so much damage when you hurt other people in the body of Christ you damage yourself so deeply it's like the damage a torturer has to deal with in their own life it's like the damage of Jason Bourne if you've watched the Bourne movie so it's like if you if you don't heal you're actually going to inflict more damage as you and try to heal others a simple example of this is actually seeing the tension between like the conservative evangelical christians and the progressive christians so many progressive evangelicals have been burned by spiritual abuse, and all they did was react and jump to another side with just as much evangelical fervor as they could. Just but now they shame. wear the badge of honor of yeah. being liberal, just as much but shame. they haven't healed because the they haven't learned to think yeah. through a process and develop an identity because they just transferred a conservative identity for you know, a progressive identity. And nobody gets help. Yeah. So yeah. I, see, I see progressive bullies who are just as obnoxious as the the conservative bullies. And they I, just use I, different scripture verses through. to be spiritually abusive. Yeah. But it's the same tactics of shame, manipulation, control, authoritarianism, groupthink, so, movements. So if you want the help, I say seek a plan to get healed. So you need an independent community from the community that you're trying to reform. It, it might be a group of friends. It might be a Bible study. It might be whatever. I'd say get into therapy for sure with somebody who has a specialty in understanding abuse it's, uh, and a, a person of faith so they can work you through that. Join a community like Freedom Builders at Solation where you're surrounded with people who are constantly sifting through the lies that they went through and having these aha moments of realizing, oh, it goes that deep? The rabbit hole goes that deep? Yeah, that's exactly. And then, and then third, develop um, study. You must be committed to studying and understanding the psychology of evil when it comes to abuse, as well as um, do a lot of reading on theology to sort out what you thought about the Bible. Because the abuse, the abuser's way of reading the Bible is still in your head. And it takes time to work that out to be like, wait a second, now I have tools of to reading the Bible. You mean I'm supposed to read it in context? Wow, that's novel. It's supposed to like have historical context or supposed to have genre. And once you develop those tools, then you're armored up. Then you're ready to walk back in and say, now I can take the blows because I got a support system, mm -hmm. but I can take the blows too because I have the tools. And think of a missionary. The missionaries who we know who go out to foreign cultures, they spend time coming back on furlough. If you really want to reform a group that is so damaged, you have to have a furlough place to go back to to regroup. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus says the truth will set you free. How free are you to leave that group and get healed? Most people who want to reform, they haven't even left the group yet. So they're not actually free. Truth hasn't freed them. It's almost a compulsive, I have to heal this group from the inside out. And that compulsion is a sign itself of unhealth. Now, I loved to, you I have to say, leadership too. So I loved good. when uh, yeah, our, our pastor, when we, when we left, uh, the first thing he said to us was, you're going to need a good three years. Mm. And I remember going like, are you crazy? Three years? <laughs> I don't need three years. And three years into it, I was like, I need five years. I need five years <laughs> of healing. <laughs> like where I don't, because I had to rethink everything. I had, to, I had to have a new theology of ministry, a new, the, I mean, everything had to re-sift. And you had to discover who you were and what your and, purpose in and life And I remember was. the biggest thing, the term we started throwing around, it's not my term, I stole it from someone. Matter of fact, I think I stole it from Josh Harris. Um, but I loved <laughs> the topic, I loved the, the term, was gospel amnesia. I was waking up to the gospel again. 
and remembering what it and who it was that I fell in love with a long time ago and having to remember that. And so, you know, I, I started throwing that term around and now it's one we use all the time. You know, where I meet someone, I go, you know, that person still has gospel amnesia. You can mm. see it. The gospel is not penetrating deep enough. Mm. They don't know whose they are. Um, so they don't quite know who they are yet. They still don't, they're struggling with whose they are. Um, they don't know how, how loved they are by God. Um, so, you know, those are, these are things you guys are, you're, you're sharing words of life tonight, um, for our listeners. And I know we have people out there who are saying, oh man, this is me. You know, this, they're talking about me tonight. So I know that some people will say, I don't even know what a healthy church looks like. I don't know what to look for. I don't know where to go. In fact, one of our listeners said to us, we've tried to look at other churches, but every single time we've mentioned them in our current setting, those churches are shot down because they're not as spiritual or they're, you know, whatever, they're shallow or whatever all of those, you know, things that, that the right church is telling me the wrong churches are doing. So how does somebody begin to find a community that is a place where they can heal? What does that look like for somebody leaving an abusive church situation? There's two parts to your question, Kendra. One is the psychological strength the soul strength that God gives you to pick up and drive your family to a new place. And the second question is, what do I look, how do I find that place theologically sound? How do I, how do I discover it? I mean, one of the great, one, I mean, one of the questions we are always trying to answer is, you know, how do you find a healthy church? And it's a, it takes it takes time. You have to get to know a community. If you're a type A personality and you when you go visit a church, you feel like I need to volunteer for seven different ministry programs because I they could really benefit from me. That that kind of person's not going to discover very quickly um, how healthy the church is. You, you, it's like just like joining any community or, or meeting any new friends. You you ease into the relationship like getting into a hot tub. You know, you don't cannonball your way in because not only do you lose a lot of good water, but it's um, deeply painful. So don't don't do that. You have to ease yourself in. But I think another thing we have to overcome is 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 this, this belief. And again, I think it's a false belief that we have that's been built around us that in order to grow spiritually with God, we have to be in church in this organized. What I, I like to call churches, you know, that, that the, the nonprofit on the corner that has the word church on the sign. Because if the church is the body of Christ, meaning the body of the Messiah, everybody who follows Messiah is a member of the church. It just happens to meet in a bunch of different places. Um, but those little organizations aren't necessarily, aren't necessarily required for you to grow with God. So... What we may need to do is to kind of take a step back. And again, we're back in taking a break again and reading some trustworthy resources. And how do you know if somebody's trustworthy? Well, unless you're a hermit in a cave, try to find somebody that you do believe you can trust and see who they would recommend and then just start to explore. Like I would find, you know, some good textbooks. I would highly recommend Brendan Manning's book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. It's going to re- it's going to, in some ways, educate for the first time what it means for God to love you. Uh, another great book, which really kind of set the stage for the spiritual abuse conversation back in 1990, was The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse. And that book I would also recommend. So you could start to unpack kind of what happened to you, and what was taken from you, where you're, where you were forced to be weak. 
Because once you understand kind of the roots of this, then you'll start getting on your feet more and you'll start developing a nose for healthy people and a nose for unhealthy people. Um, whenever somebody says, don't go to that church because, you know, they're whatever, I would say, well, that may be what you heard through the grapevine, but I need to find out these things for myself. It might be a good place for me to go for six months or a year or the rest of my life. It may be a good place for me to visit three times so I have a firsthand experience of what's going on there. Um, God is not in heaven biting his nails waiting for you to have another membership card with another organization. He's not worried about that. He's, he is concerned that you are um, discovering his love, learning who you are, and finding other people who are doing the same. And that could be three people in a coffee shop that you that become your friends. It could be a congregation of 20,000 people where you're singing and you still only know three people there because they sit on the pew every week with you. Whatever it is, it's going to feed you and help you come to terms with who God is. You could be in some dysfunctional churches and not even be aware of all the dysfunction that's going on because you just show up, you really enjoy a service, and then you go home. You know, and some people are spared from a lot of heartache for doing that. But feel free to be the fly on the wall on the back pew, just listening in and saying, God, there may be a lot of junk I have to sift through, but give me a few things today that will help me chew on this as I continue on this journey, walking with Jesus as my shepherd rather than worrying about finding another man or another woman to be my shepherd. That's good. We covered this question on our Periscope channel. So those of you who are into Periscope and are watching broadcast regularly, you can follow us at Solution there. I did a broadcast about a month ago on five great reasons to go or not go to church. And um, one of the things I think that as you evaluate the church you're in, you can ask yourself is when I leave church, am I more convinced that God loves me without any catches, without any oh, I died for you, so now you owe me stuff? Or do I leave church overwhelmed with God's demands, convinced that now I have my doctrine right, pumped up on an emotional high to make it six more days, and and feeling slightly morally superior to the people around me because I'm in the right spiritual club? You know, what what are your takeaways from church? That itself can teach you just develop your spidey sense again, using this term of this intuition that the Holy Spirit wants to save you from some of the people, people who want to bind you up and prevent you from experiencing the freedom that God's truth can bring. That's good. Man, that's good. Mm. All right. So I think we have got to the end of another great show. Yeah. And and I think I know our heart and your heart are probably very much the same and that we just want to see people thrive in a relationship with Christ that has no extras. Yeah, that's it. Well, thank you so much for this uh, second night of interviews. And uh, we have have really enjoyed having you online. Um, Again, if you would just let our listeners know where they can find you, if this is the... First episode they've tuned into, how can they find you online? Well, we're both on um, Facebook, but you can find our Solation page on Facebook um, as well as Twitter, Solation, S as in Sam, O-U-L-A-T-I-O-N, or you can go straight to our website, solation.org. You can find our Freedom Builders community right there. You can get a sample of the testimonies of people who've gone through that program and are continuing to meet regularly online. You can go to our store to find our online e-courses, books, and resources. And for, for your listeners who may feel like they're in the middle of this and they kind of need to rebuild, we actually have created an online course 
where you join a community of a small group of people and we start building a foundation of spiritual health. And uh, that is also available in our store and people can inquire about what it means to be a part of that community. All right. We'll put all of these into our show notes for tonight. Uh, So when you go to this episode, look in our show notes and you'll find uh, hot links to every one of these things they just mentioned. Um, Dale and Jalen, thank you so much for being on Homeschooling in Real Life and for uh, just this conversation for our listeners. Thanks, you guys. We really, um, we're honored that you have the courage to take up such a topic and that uh, and you let us come on and speak freely with you guys. We really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks. In my soul knows the doubts will rise inside me. My Savior will guide me. Once again, we were really, really happy to have Dale and Jonalyn with us to talk about a very important subject. But we want our listeners to know that if you feel that you are in a spiritually abusive situation and want help, please go to solation.org or contact us at info at homeschoolingirl.com. Yeah, we think this is going to be one of those episodes like the depression episode where someone has been listening all along and a light goes on and they say, oh, this is me. I I have been in spiritual abuse or I'm in a situation in church or my homeschool movement or something where I'm stuck and I need to get out. And so we want to encourage you to get out as quickly as possible. <laughs> That's right. And in order to continue to create great episodes like this, we have something we want to tell oh, you yeah. about. We have a huge surprise. So you know, uh, as we got started here, Kenj, um, we have been doing this podcast for, is it two and a half years now? Yeah. And all along, we have been um, looking for sponsors. We've been looking for advertisers just to kind of help um, fill the gap, buy us new recording equipment, help our studio out. And along the way, we've always had people ask, is there some way we can help support the show? Well, guess what? What? We now have a way for our listeners to do that. We are signed up with Patreon at patreon.com slash homeschooling IRL. But if you want to know how you can sponsor the show and become a patron of ours, you can go to homeschoolingirl.com slash patron. And there's different levels. I mean, you can give just a dollar a month if you'd like to, or you can give way much more than that. $10,000 a month. Wow, that'd be a killer. I could <laughs> retire from dentistry. Right, that's yeah, that'd true. that'd be great. So, no, we, we would love to uh, partner with you now, individually, as our listeners. Um, there have been a lot of you who have said the stuff that you guys bring up on your podcast has changed our lives. Mm-hmm. So if you are someone who would like to partner with us just so we can focus on great shows and great content, um, head on over to homeschoolingirl.com slash patron. Now, Kendra, there's other things they can do aside from giving us money. What could they do? Yeah, you can become a subscriber over at iTunes. You can leave us a review there, a five-star review. And what that does is it helps the show be seen by more people searching for good homeschool content. Yeah, and we're trying to, well, look, look at this one. We're trying to help people who are stuck in spiritually abusive situations. We're trying to help moms who have depression. We're trying to help a whole mess of people hope-shifting thinking that homeschooling is going to save their kids and then just get tied up in that legalistic baloney. So, uh, yeah, leave a review. And if they want to reach us, uh, they can email us at... Info at homeschoolingirl.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash homeschoolingirl or tweet to us on Twitter, homeschoolirl. Yeah, so next week, 
Kench, one of your friends and my friends, is coming back to us to talk about me time. Yeah, so I think you guys are all familiar. This is a topic that is either panned as extremely selfish and unbiblical, or it's embraced as something we all need. So we're going to have that discussion with Dr. Melanie Wilson. She is a homeschooling mom of six and a Christian psychologist. We've had her on the show before, Fletch. Yeah, psycho with psychowith6.com. That's right. And uh, she's the Homeschool Sanity Show fellow podcaster on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. That's next week. So again, hope the show was great. Uh, we'd love for you to become a patron. You can go sponsor us on iTunes or tweet or Facebook us. And we'll talk to you guys next week when we're back at home in our studio. You've been listening to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Everything on this podcast was written and produced by Andy and Kendra Fletcher. For more information, or if you would like to contact your hosts, please visit them on homeschoolingirl.com.